Well, you can get too carried away looking at one set of numbers, and we've said that a few times, of course, about the weekly jobless numbers in the US. They don't seem to move much. Well, last week they went down, not what the Fed wants to see, but put it all together, and it does start to paint a picture, doesn't it? They also don't want to see prices rise, but that's what happened with the quarterly PCE deflator and US GDP revised down a bit. So not happy numbers, but no big reaction on the markets. In fact, it's quite quiet, really. It's Thursday, the 24th of February, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, stocks were heading down for most of the session in the United States, but in that hour of power, the hour before the close, uh, they bounced right back up again with the Dow closing up a third of 1%, the S&P 500 up half a percent, the Nasdaq up almost three quarters of 1%. All of these were in the red not so long ago. The S&P might be three and a half percent up year to date, though, but a bit more than that today. But it's down almost five percent from its peak at the start of this month. So any rebound is delayed, isn't it, for now? Everything, it seems, is uh, is taking longer than expected. Uh, not much movement. Well, there wasn't much movement in bond movement in the USA. Uh, Ten years now, though, down four basis points. So they have it has moved a little bit. Uh, same for German bonds. Uh, their t- uh, 10-year yields are down four, down five in France, down eight in Italy. But, you know, they are at 4.37%. So they've got room to move. Aussie 10 years haven't moved a great deal. They are stuck at around 3.9%. And the US dollar, which has been down for a chunk of the last 24 hours. Well, it edged up a bit and now it started to head back down again. So, But no big moves in currencies, it's fair to say. For example, the pound, down 0.2%. Whoopee-doo. The euro managing to stay marginally in the red. The Aussie also down 0.2%, uh, sticking around 68 US cents now, just a bit above that. And oil heading back up today. Big moves here. 2.1% added to Brent and WTI. So uh, Ken Crompton uh, is with us from uh, NAB in Sydney. We've got his said we've got to be kind to him because it's early in the morning and he didn't get home till 10 o'clock with work not out boozing uh so uh, keep the energy up ken keep the energy it's only 10 minutes that's all we ask from you uh so uh, <laughs> let's look at let, let's start let's start with australia so uh look you know the asx has been heading down all week but i mean it's a different story in the us where it seems like things are taking a bit longer but i mean i'm seeing signs of confidence emerging in australia we, we, we got private capex Rising in Q4, 2.2% Q on Q. Plant machinery uh, capex uh, that was shrinking in Q3 is back on the rise. Building capex back to Q4 2021 levels, almost at uh, 3.6% growth. I mean, that all speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly on the surface of it, a, pr- a pretty strong private CapEx report coming out yesterday. Um, yeah, up, up 2.2% in Q4, so certainly much stronger than, than we are expecting and, and even stronger relative to market expectations as well. As you mentioned, it was that building and structures component that, that added a lot to it. I mean, the interesting thing in mm. terms of what that will do for the official growth numbers um, ahead of GDP next week is that that component, uh, that buildings and services from private capex doesn't actually feed directly through to GDP rather it's the uh, the construction work done data that we had earlier in the week which was which was softer so on balance yeah that's sort mm. of leaving our um, our early pick for Q4 GDP at, at 0.9 QOQ so probably not too much um, downside risk from that from that capex number but I guess the um, but you- the interesting thing though is that um, you know Investment intentions are still holding up pretty well, and of course, yeah, you know, yeah. facing into a downward cycle, you 
probably going to assume there's going to be changes to, to plans and revisions downward as um, if, if things do slow down. But still, there is sort of a, a healthy CapEx plan out there at the moment. Well, it's the same, you know, confidence, isn't it? It all spells confidence. But if we look in the US, the GDP for Q4, the second estimate, was actually revised down a fair bit. So a bit more of a slowdown than expected. You know, as I said in the intro, uh, everything is taking a bit longer. And then uh, cons- a part of that was because consumer spending for the US, the second estimate, has had a big revision down for Q4, hasn't it? Yeah, quite um, quite, quite a sharp drop in, in, in that component there as part of the headline number being revised down from 2.9 to to 2.7. I mean, the consensus was to remain unchanged, which is pretty typical for, for a second read. But um, but that component mm. of household consumption, yeah, down from 2.1% to 1.4%. So quite a quite a strong move there. I mean, the investment spending component was was added to a little bit, but still, that's obviously given us that big big headline hit to hit to the growth number for Q4. I mean, the other interesting part of that data release too was movements in the um, in the in the in the PC deflators, so Q4 PC deflator actually ended up um, end up rising. So you've sort of I guess got the implication there of a of softer consumption through Q4 than we previously thought, plus faster price rises. So um, not what we want to see. And, 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 and no. the core number, take out energy and food, what was revised up from 39 to 4.3%. That's quite a big rise. Yeah, quite, quite a big jump there. And, of course, tonight we get the um, – th- that was the quarterly number yesterday. Tonight we'll get mm. the uh, the monthly read on um, on PC for January, so moving beyond the, the Q4 data. But um, but you add in the upward revisions that are, that are sort of implicit through – through the Q4 release, and um, I think expectations for tonight's data have been, have been rounded up by about a tenth. So you're still now looking at five uh, percent year on year, is where market consensus has settled now for um, for PCE in in January or um, at 0.5 Q on Q. So yeah, still still maintaining mm. a, a, a pretty healthy pace there. So, but I mean, you know, taking longer for things to slow down for the Fed, so prices, you know, potentially rising. And then let's throw in that other component, labour. I know it's only one week's data. But those initial jobless claims for the week of February the 18th, uh, they were 195,000. It was expected they would rise to 200,000, but they fell to 192,000. So less people claiming work, either because they don't want to work or uh, they've got a job. Whichever way you look at it, it's it's a a slightly tighter labour market. I mean, it's only one week, but it's the wrong way. Well, yeah, I mean... There's there's often a lot of cautions around overinterpreting the weekly jobless claims numbers, but you know you, you string together enough below consensus prints, you string together remaining at sub 200k for as it has done for for quite a long stretch now, and you know and and you have to sort of acknowledge there is a bit of there is a bit of a story there. So um, yes, I mean yeah, what, what will that mean for payrolls? You know next um you know, next week. I mean having come off the back of the the surprise, mm. you know plus five eighteen k number for this month. I mean it. it it's, you probably shouldn't try and build our payrolls to uh, jobless claims model, but certainly you know there's no there's no sort of red alarm slashing out there in jobless claims yet. I mean, most commentators are expecting that to change, but that change was expected, you know, to be beginning late last year, and it still hasn't come through. So just like we're seeing in a lot of places, you know, except in Australia's monthly numbers, funnily enough, um, you know. Labor forces globally remain pretty, um, pretty robust. So things taking longer. Whether that means that uh, 
recession is still a possibility. Probably, I mean, everyone now, I think, is saying, well, no, soft landing. James Bullard uh, from the Fed saying uh, he thinks that markets overpriced the uh, the chance of a, of a recession in the second half of last year. They've overpriced it for, for the first half of this year, and they've probably overpriced the chances of a recession in the second half of 2023. He's basically saying it's not coming, folks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I mean, um, yeah, market pricing has been has, has given a few concessions to, to that view over the past month or so. Um, yeah, the, the volume of rate cuts priced in for the second half of 2023 in, in most global uh, markets has played back dramatically but you know they're still there and I mean you know markets will always want to price something markets are really comfortable with with pricing a you know, an extended period of a central bank on hold but uh <laughs> but but there's still because what guess what do they what do you do well, all yeah, day but, yeah but, you've got to you've got to but there's still a little <laughs> bit of work to be done I think in terms of where central banks would like to see market pricing go uh, relative to um, relative to their own expectations of, of how long they're going to stay restrictive and I mean we even saw uh, Catherine Mann from the Bank of England out overnight she delivered a speech looking at yes. the transmission of monetary policy in the UK so far and um, her strong caution there has was that rates are going to need to remain higher for longer and that she doesn't see inflation coming down um, you know, qu- quite as quickly as, as the market or, um, or possibly even the, the official forecast there expect. So, um, you know, we know that she's right. been in a... But she was talking about She was talking about it takes longer. The mechanism takes longer. So, I mean, that that can go both ways, though, can't it? I mean, it means they've got to keep doing it to try and get the response they want. But they, surely she's also arguing there that they could overshoot as well. That's, that, that would be the implicit risk in the comments, yes. I mean, arguably, too, though, it could also mean that... Um, it could be similar to the comments you're getting from the Fed and Bullard where, where they're saying that you know, markets are, from any given level, markets are overpricing the, the odds of the cut. So, I mean, we know she's been on the, she's mm. been voting for 450s, which has sort of been in line with recent moves. I think she was voting for, for larger moves late last year. So she's sort of been on the bullish end of the spectrum. But um, but that's a slightly different tone of commentary to what we've been hearing from um, from Hugh Peel and others there over the past couple of weeks. The, that word resilience keeps on coming up in the UK, doesn't it? It keeps on surprising us that things aren't quite as bad as forecasts. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe, maybe she's right. Maybe, uh, you know, they, they do need to do a bit more. Uh, one thing I find curious is uh, oil today. So we, we saw quite a big rise in the uh, EIA's inventories showing crude oil stocks have increased uh, by 7.6 million barrels. That's more than, you know, the forecast was 2 million. This is for last week, I think. Obviously, these numbers go up and down, uh, but we're seeing oil rising quite a bit today. Uh, I, I guess that's I mean, the two unrelated, perhaps. I mean, obviously, there's the China reopening story, which is which is bringing hope. Is there? Can you see any relationship between those two things? Um, I think. I mean, the, the the longer run story of the of the China recovery, I think, certainly needs to be part of the part of the analysis. There, I mean, it's been a it's been a, a long running paradox. Um, just how soft oil has been has been over the past over the past couple of months, in particular, given you've seen you know, the uh, the China reopening effect, you know, have such a strong influence on you know, on a lot of other commodity markets or a lot of other financial markets generally. I mean, certainly, um, you know, iron ore, a lot of the base metals have responded to, to potential China demand, and yet oil has certainly been the laggard there. I mean, should we necessarily ascribe moves literally just overnight to uh, to, to, to being the market suddenly realising these things? Obviously, that, that's a bit hard to tell, but certainly, you know, the, the, there should be an upward trend in in oil prices over the course of this year, we think. I mean, what it's obvious, the, the, the mm. broader 
opposing view to that, of course, is that um, just as we were talking about overpricing of recession risks, maybe the market has been um, has has been overweighting the the global slowdown implications of tighter policy as being more significant than China. So maybe that's where the the balance has been sitting. But um, but yeah, the overnight moves are a little bit of a paradox in that sense. But um, but the broader, longer run trend should be should be towards something stronger. Well, one central bank that's certainly not uh, pushing rates up too high is Japan. Uh, and uh, we should be watching Japan closely today, perhaps, because K- Kazuo Ueda, the man who's going to become the next governor of the Bank of Japan at a sprightly 71 years of age, uh, he's testifying today to the to the lower house committee in Japan. So I guess the question is going to be, is he going to be wedded to their yield curve control and their ultra easy policy, you know, the... the uh, the 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 last gasps of abenomics, or is he going to take uh, the bank in a new direction? Is he going to give any hint to it today? Well, I guess it's hard to tell until we get there in terms of exactly what he will say. I I, I guess, but um, I mean, we're going to get um, in Japan today as, as well as hearing from um, you know, a, a way to son speaking to, to Parliament. We will also get the national CPI figures out of this. They're going to be closely mm. watched. I mean, they're expected to accelerate further in a, in a year on year sense. So I think consensus is so four percent was the care the core, wasn't it, for December? So it is getting up yeah, there. Yeah, um, that was for the uh, yeah X, X fresh food was sitting at four. That's expected to accelerate to, to four point three, and even um, you know sort of stripping out energy costs, which is sort of on the rise again. That that core measure X, X fresh food and energy that's that's expected to come in at three point three. So that's also a you know a, a thirty bit acceleration. I mean, I think one thing we could pot. One thing we should probably expect from Wade Sun in terms of continuity is probably going to be uh, an express desire to to, to wait for um, you know, sort of further wage pressure in Japan, or at least have firm expectations that's coming. You know, we you were talking yesterday in this forum a, a little bit about um, I think some five percent wage wage increases coming through for some auto sector workers in Japan. I think uh, Honda and mm. Toyota maybe, and that was a little bit stronger than expected. So you know, given the, I mean, there's some similarities in some ways. Um, Broadly, between um, sort of the the sort of slow momentum that that, that that takes to building wages in in Australia and Japan. So just as the RBA was sort of trying to hold off on on rate hikes to wait for um, you know to wait for wage pressures to come through, you know the, the bodge is kind of in the same situation, and some of their sort of institutional wage setting processes are going to sort of slowly ramp up over the next few months and sort of peak around mid year. So I expect we'll probably see some stress on wanting to see some decent wage increase numbers out of that from Waitersun. But um, but with inflation there now starting to tick above 4% potentially, you know, you're going to start to see sort of the same, you know, political pressures that other central banks who wanted to wait for wage increases, you know, have, uh, you know, have faced that, um, you know, how much can you look through until you, and, until you get there and, um, yeah, and, and should you sort of wait for one data print when everything else is telling you that, that inflation is getting away? So Japan is, is sort of entering the very early stages of uh, of that zone, I think. I mean, we're expecting that, um, you know, yield curve control, the uh, the, the, the 10-year yield target will um, yeah, will is, is going to remain under pressure. JGBs have been trading bang on the upper end of that for a while now. So you know, we won't see anything explicit on that today, mm. I don't think, but... That'll be the thing to look for. Today we do get, where's the final read of the Michigan Consumer Sentiment uh, and their inflation expectations. So we also get the UK and uh, German consumer confidence numbers and uh, new home sales uh, 
I think, for the US, don't we? Um, it's in- Plus, of course, earnings. Interesting how the equity markets are responding to earnings lately. I guess it's because they've, you know, they're putting uh, earnings results against the general direction of the market. But NVIDIA yesterday reported earnings down 21% uh, on a year ago in their latest quarterly results, but their share price is up 13% because they uh, are up a couple of percent on revenue from the previous quarter. So don't look too far back, seems to be the message. Whereas BHP shares are falling, even though they obviously are going to seek to benefit from China and India if uh, trading picks up. So we could talk about that forever, couldn't we? But uh, no big names on the earnings calendar for t- tomorrow, but, you know, locally or in the United States. But just, just remember that they're there. Uh, good to talk, Ken. We'll catch you again very soon. Cheers. Talk next Thanks, week. And that's it for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again on Monday morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for joining us.